So today we're going to talk about uh, life and um, I'm usually, I don't usually try to come up with ways to name messages a whole lot. But this thought popped in my head uh, when I was putting together the slides for today. And life, it's not a choice. Living, that's a daily decision. We're going to talk about life today. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday across our country. Realistically, uh, a lot of churches, a lot of pastors will not touch on this subject um, uh, we've we've even we've had uh, pastor friends and acquaintances that have told us I can't I can't preach about this in my church. If I do, I'll alienate a bunch of uh, of tithe givers and all that. I just want you to know I feel like that if if I choose to ignore one of the uh, one of the larger social issues in our country and has been for a long time, then I I, I think I stand before God accountable then for not communicating what um, I think clearly the Bible shows about about life. And I do want us to be uh, clear about something. This is not a political topic. Life is a spiritual topic. This is not a political topic. We've we've, uh, allowed those outside the faith community to begin defining life and to begin defining all things of life instead of promoting and proclaiming that the giver and the creator of life is the one who gets to define it. He's the one who gets to frame that and give it context. So we're going to talk about that today, maybe from a slightly different uh, perspective at the very end. I want to give you a different, a different challenge about this, but I just want to kind of walk through the idea of life um, because now in our country and in our world, not only are we faced with the reality of preborn life, because this isn't about, uh, I, I like the term preborn because they're already alive. All right. This isn't, well, we need to give them a chance to have life. They already have life. They're just preborn. And so we not only have that as a situation in our country, but it is rapidly headed toward. Um, and there are a lot of things that we used to say in the church. We would say, hey, this is rapidly headed toward this. And people would be like, yeah, whatever, you know. Because normally, you know, it was like older pastor dude. Now I'm like gray and all that, so I'm getting closer, you know. But, but it would be like, yeah, the old guy's been hanging out in his office thinking about this stuff, and he's trying to get everybody, you know, scared about staying in church and all this stuff. It's not as hard nowadays to say, hey, we're headed towards something. And people go, I can see that. Right, um, So millions upon millions of people that God uh, had intention for have, have died um, before they were born. They were pre-born. But we're also rapidly headed toward where some of you, once you pass that 65 or 70 mark, there's already talk going on of people saying, well, you know what? We shouldn't be worried so much about doing medical procedures and things like that for people of that age because they don't have that much life left. They don't have that much quality of life left. It's starting on all on all ends. So it's not just about that we are for life and for preborn life, but it is about that we're just for life, period. All right? So we're going to talk about that. But I want to pray over the Word, and then we're going to hit some Scripture, and I want to give you some thoughts and, and then give you a challenge at the end. So let's pray. Father, thank you. I thank you that you are such an awesome God. 
And that word maybe has lost some meaning for us because, you know, we look at something and go, man, that's awesome. Hey, you're awesome. Hey, that was an awesome movie. Uh, you know, whatever the word and the phrase is now, but you are an awesome God. You are a God who inspires all. You are a God who makes us stop and go, wow. When we walk outside on a starry night and look and realize that you know the name of every star, that you spoke those things into existence, when we think about the size of our world and we think about all the things that are going on and all of the people and all that, and then realize that you have an attentive ear to our cry and to our individual prayer and our individual moment. We stop in awe because we have a hard time just keeping up with the things in our own lives, much less the life of every single person on the face of this earth. And so we stand in awe of you. We bow in awe of you. We go on our faces in awe before you and say you are such an awesome God. Father, I pray today that you will help us to open our eyes and our ears, our hearts and our minds to hear Scripture. It's not important what I say. Your Scripture is already powerful. Your Word has life within it. And God, it can bring something and birth something inside of us, God, that will speak to every individual need and circumstance here today that I would have no way of knowing that I would have no way of being able to speak into in the time that we have. But you can, through your Holy Spirit in us, can bring to life that thing that is needed in our individual lives. Even to the point that people almost think they heard different things. They hear your word and it speaks this to them. And someone else, it speaks uh, specific to their situation. The truth remains the same of what is said, but yet it, it is addressing something that wasn't even my focus. But yet your Holy Spirit brings that to pinpoint focus in their life. And so God, I thank you. Again, you are awe-inspiring. Help us today to gain from your word and be receptive to it and to walk out of here different than when we came in with a different focus. In Jesus' name we pray. Church together said, Amen. Amen. I want to give you a, a handful of scriptures uh, that we're going we're gonna to look at as we go. When we talk about that, that God in giving life and gets to define life and gets to frame the context around life, um, I always want to put scripture behind stuff. doesn't do me any good to tell you what I think or what I think scripture says. I need to give you what scripture says. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, A thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come so that they might have life and have it in abundance. Now I know that I'm going to use some scriptures today that aren't normally what we use when we're on Sanctity of Life Sunday because we'll get to Jeremiah 29 11, some of that that everybody always uses. They're great scriptures. Um, but I need you to have a better understanding of the whole context of life. It's not just about pre-born life. It is about life, period. It's why you saw me... Uh, you saw me uh, put something out here a while back. Y'all know I don't, I don't post near as much stuff anymore as what I used to a handful of years back. But um, I, I put a post out here a while back that said, you know, I will never say I have lost all respect for you. 
And one of the reasons is because if I say I have lost all respect for you, that says I have zero respect. It doesn't say I've, I've lost all respect for you on this matter. Or I've lost respect for your opinion in this matter or your perspective or whatever. If I say I've lost all respect for you, I, that means I believe your life has no value because I have no respect for you. See, we sometimes say things, and eat, especially when we can just type it out on a keyboard real fast. You know, boop, 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 boop. hey, I've lost all respect for everybody that supports this or supports that. Hey, you should back up because that's not godly. That's right. To say I've lost all respect says I don't have any respect for your life. I don't have any respect for the talents, the abilities, the skills that God has given you, even if you're not using them for God. I've told y'all, and I, if it's, I'm sorry if this bothers somebody today. You know, you come see me afterwards. I love you. I'll hug you or something. <laughs> Or COVID-y or something. I don't know, whatever, you know, I need to do it. But I still think Michael Jackson was probably the most talented musician I've ever seen. You go, but, but he really didn't play anything or whatever. All you got to do is just watch the, uh, the documentary, This Is It, I think is the name of it. And, um, and the, the musicians, songs that he had done 20 years before, he could tell them what key it was supposed to be in, just on the spot. And he could go to every musician. He could tell the keyboarders, hey, you're supposed to be doing this, and the sound was kind of like this. He would tell the bass player, hey, no, you're, you're, that rhythm on this song was dun 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 He could tell the guitarist everything. And they would talk. They said, man, it's amazing. He remembers all this stuff. And they go back and they'll listen to the actual recording. <laughs> That's exactly what it was like. It's exactly what it sounded like. He remembers all this stuff. See, I, I can respect talent and ability, even if you're not using it for God. So I respect that. Life in, in general is important for us to have respect for because if we don't start from the basis of understanding that life has intrinsic value, and it has intrinsic value because God gave it. We're going to talk about that a little more as we go, but... So John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says that a thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. So when we are taking preborn life, we are being the thief. Because we have come only to then to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come so that they might have life and have it in abundance. So two different, two different versions, right? so that you can have life, and then that you can have that life, and it be an abundant life. John chapter 20, verse 31 says, But these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in His name. And you hang with me, because we're going to talk about two different kinds of life here in just a moment. But John 20, 31 says, By believing you may have life in His name. John 14, verse 6, this is one you're, you're probably familiar with. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and what? The life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So obviously God has something going on with this life thing. Now there's an interesting distinction that we need to make because even while we recognize these two thoughts that I'm about to give you that are independent, but yet we're going to see they're intertwined. It's an interesting thing. It's a conundrum. <laughs> I always try to get one word in that a couple of y'all will Google. 
or you'll duck, duck, go now, maybe, you know. But sorry, that was my one political joke for today. Google versus duck, duck, go. Anyway, so, so yeah, so I'll throw that on there. So conundrum. There's life that's an actual physical existence. There is life that's an actual spiritual existence, which is found in God through Christ. Now, we know this has to be. I'm going to give you some other scriptures. But we know this has to be because Jesus just spoke to live people, physically alive people, and said, I've come that you might have life. Now, they can look around at each other and go, but wait a blessed minute. <laughs> We're all alive right here, right now, listening to you. So he has to be talking about there is something else that can be coming. There's another life. He also said then, by believing in him, you can have life. We saw that. By believing in him, you can have life through Christ. So there has to be this physical existence of life. There has to be a spiritual existence of life. Let me give you a great passage to back that up. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This is what it says. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you... Did you catch that? And you were dead. He's speaking to people who are physically alive and says, you were dead. But you were dead... In your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature... I could spend a lot of time preaching this passage. We were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive with the Messiah even though we were dead in trespasses. You were saved by grace. Man, it's such, this one, you, you could spend about two weeks just preaching through this, just trying to hit some points. The great thing, I'm going to skip all the stuff about the, the Spirit working in a disobedient and all that for, for today. Uh, catch out the fact that he said that we were by nature children under wrath. We are, we are born into sin. And that's we have Adam. Who we could go through all this stuff about how that Adam then made the choice. And the Bible talks about how that by one man's disobedience that, that death and sin, it all entered the world. But by one man's obedience and by his death, Jesus Christ, then that there is going to be salvation. There's, there's, there's forgiveness that can enter and it can wipe all of that stuff out. He's full of grace, full of mercy, all that that John talked about on Jesus. By nature, we were under wrath as the others were also. But God made us alive. We were born dead. <laughs> Spiritually, we were... Now, and we won't go into a lot of the stuff today because uh, I, I have a personal opinion. It's hard to find this, per se, in Scripture, but I have a personal opinion about um, just following the very nature of God, seeing it, that uh, until that you have the ability, folks ask and say, well, what about children that are, uh, you know, the infants and things like that? I absolutely believe that even though that that uh, the Bible makes it clear that, that we have to receive Christ to get forgiveness there of, of an age and of a, of a mental condition, that they don't have the ability to make decisions and make choices. And uh, God is full of mercy and grace and compassion. And I, if you want to debate about it later, I don't, I don't believe that those that young children, when they die like that, are, are dying and going to hell. I believe that God has prepared a, a, a way for them. Just in case anybody's wondering. 
If you want to talk about it some more, we can talk about it some more after this. But just want to make sure you had that in mind. But we are born into sin. And then when we get to that point where we have a choice to make, we have a decision to make, we're physically alive, but yet we are not spiritually alive. And, and that's very clear in Scripture that we're dead in our trespasses and our sins. Those things, they bring death. That's what the Bible says, right? It says that the wages of sin is what? Death, but the what? The gift of God, right? All right. So the one you and I earned, wages are what we get paid for what we did. Some people get paid good wages and they don't work worth a lick. And you got some of them that hangs out around you. You just go ahead and tell the truth about that right there. Throw that one in there because we're all in the workplace, right? All right. So, you know, you kind of you look around sometimes and go, man, I think my employer is like Jesus because he's having grace and compassion on some of these people still paying them. <laughs> Just saying, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah, see, I can tell because people are like, mm. see, you had three people pop in your head right then. If you didn't, if your coworkers were here, you'd have popped in their head. That, that's just the way that was working. It was, you know, if you're like, I don't know anybody like that, you know. It's that, it's that old thing about, you know, Mama always said there was one crazy person on the bus, and if you look around and can't find them, whoop, guess what? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> just saying. You know, people, there's some, there's some grace and, and mercy there. We have this reality of physical life. We've got the breathing, heart-beating kind of life that God gives us. And he created it in the very beginning when he formed Adam and he breathed life into him. By the way, when we sang that song today, it's one of the reasons why I love this song. It's, it's, there's, great, there's actually a great theological meaning in that song where it says, It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise because really in the very beginning... Man, this is so powerful. God forms Adam and he breathes into him. And every one of us, white, black, yellow, red, it doesn't matter. Any shade on the spectrum doesn't matter. We all stem from that beginning person, Adam. We're all one family. Amen. Just flat out. Doesn't matter if we agree. Doesn't matter if humanity is... We're, we're, we're one. From that beginning, we're one. And so... When God takes and he, He's got Adam formed and He breathes into him and you realize that from that point forward, then that life passes from Adam and Eve into Cain and Abel and then it goes on and on and on and on. That very beginning breath that God breathed into Adam is what you're breathing in and out of your lungs right now. It's just carried on that life from person to person to person. So when we... It's a twofold statement in that song. When we say it's your breath, you can say, well, hey, I know that God is the one that has given it to me. So in the very grand sense of that God has given me life, then it's His life, it's His breath. But it is His breath. He started this thing. He breathed into that very first man, and it has carried on from person to person. It's your breath in my lungs. So I'm just giving you back what's already yours. So I pour out my praise. Then we also have this spiritual life, the back from the dead, awaken to walk in newness of life that God created through the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that life can only be received. It cannot be earned. It's not earned. I think it's one of the most powerful things that is so 
important for people to realize, and we just sometimes we don't talk about this enough. You know that that the Bible says it's by faith; it's not by works. It's you know it's not by anything that we've done. It's His grace, you know that that uh, that allows us to come to salvation, saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Because if I could earn it, it'd be terrible if I didn't have the same abilities that you did. That, you know, if I could earn it, it'd be terrible if, if I was someone who was mentally challenged. If I could earn salvation, it would be terrible if I had a hard time comprehending it. But, but it's not something that I earn. It is something that God freely and graciously gives to us and allows us in to come into His family. And both of these, the physical life and the spiritual life, are, are both critical and they're both precious because God is the one who gave them. Every gift that God gives is precious. God doesn't give junk, unlike your kids at Christmas. <laughs> My kids did good this year, right? Caleb's back there somewhere. They did, they did good. They gave me some... Uh, uh, Caleb, Caleb got me some... They got me some cool stuff, because, you know, some different tools and all kind of different things. And Caleb got me this... Uh, this uh, range finder, you know, for when you when you enter range, it's pretty nice. It's nice. Uh, Alexis and Michael got me a screaming goat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a screaming goat. It, it, she's trying to figure out what that actually. She's like, I don't know what this is going to turn. Look, it is a thing that goes on my desk. And y'all seen the screaming goats, right? They're all over YouTube and all that. <laughs> You know, goats that do that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And so I, I have one, and it's on my desk. And now when people come into work, you know, and they're like, Nathan, you got to come in and tell you we had an issue with a customer. I'm like, just thing. And they hit the goat, and the goat says, ah! And he screams. It's awesome. But y'all know back in the day, you know, and some of y'all might have done it, you know, you like buying people socks and stuff like that. And unless it's the really good socks, you know, and, you don't buy people ties and all that, you know, because you don't even know what they like half the time anyway. God doesn't give gifts that, that my grandfather, my grandfather on my dad's side, kind of give you this. When, when, my, when my grandmother and my grandfather passed, my grandmother passed first and then my grandfather passed, and, and, and where I grew up is my mama and my pawpaw. When my pawpaw died, they went through the house, and they found a closet, and Christmas gifts from about 15 years were in a car. Because always when we were at their house, because there's like, you know, there's like grandkids, great-grandkids, extended cousins, all this other kind of stuff. And, and he would always be like, I'll open this up later. I love him, but lie from the devil. <laughs> he was not opening stuff up later. They found shirts still in the packages and stuff. All kind of stuff in this, in this closet, you know, just presents and, and things that... Just been there for 10, 15 years, all right? I was going through some stuff when I was cleaning out here the other day, and I'm sorry that I didn't post a picture of the garage. I will put a picture of the garage out. Um, <laughs> she's like, I found the app, but I'm disappointed. No pictures of the garage. So I found stuff that I had not, I had opened it, but I just hadn't done anything with it since last Christmas, you know? But, but I get crazy stuff. People give me, like, rubber chickens and, and things like that, and so... God does not give gifts that you would want to put, although we do, 
But you wouldn't want to take them and put them in the drawer or put them in the closet because the gifts that he gives, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from him. And life, if you don't have it, you can't have any of the other ones. Dead people, you can't give them gifts and anything happen with it. God has lined up all of these spiritual gifts, all of these things that He has available for you. And if you are still dead in your trespasses and sins, it is like standing beside a corpse and putting presents there beside it. It can't do anything with it. But when you become alive in Christ Jesus, all of a sudden you realize there are all of these things that God has given. It's why life is so important. It's why He said that He is the life. Our world has convinced a lot of people that physical life and and allowing it to happen is somehow a choice. They've defined it. Now, you hang in here because you know I love you. If you don't know I love you, ask somebody else. They'll tell you I love you. All right? (laughs) Ask somebody else in here. They know I love you. But I'm just going to be, I'm just going to give you what the Bible is. People, our world has defined that it's the right of a woman to choose because they say it's her body and they state that no male person has any right to speak on this subject that is not their body. Cool. You're going, hey, well, wait a minute. Cool, I, I'm not going to speak on this as a male. But since, although we, you know, God the Father and all that stuff, but God's a spirit, you know, and all that, so I figure he, he can kind of speak on whatever he wants to, right, since he's like the creator and all that. So I'm not going to speak on it. I'm just going to give you what? what he said, and if you, if you really got an issue with it, just pray and talk to him and tell him, God, you are wrong, and I know better. I've been around longer than you have. Oh, wait, hang on, that one's not true. Um, I've created things myself. Well, hang on, no, that's not true because only, you know, well, okay, all right. You know, I am smarter than you. Well, wait a minute, I did something stupid the other day, so that couldn't be. Hang on, you know, work that out. Just work it out. Go through all the stuff you need to until you get to that point where you go, okay, God, I'm sorry. I, you know, what did you have to say about this topic? <laughs> It's an easy thing. I can tell you it's an easy thing for us to to get to where we have gotten in our world when it comes to talking about life. Because guess what? I already said, they're going to talk about old people this way too. And I'm getting closer to that. Some of y'all are too, because I know, because you're in my grade school. A couple of y'all was a little ahead of us, so you're already closer. Uh Uh-huh. But look, it's going to happen. It's going to happen because spiritually there is a lack of respect and appreciation for life. And that God has given this life. We're going to talk about that a little more. The world has convinced people that you can end this preborn life if it's not convenient for your lifestyle or the place that you are in life. You, you might have to give up some plans or some partying or some idea of a career path. And I want you to understand something. I, I also feel it's important this year on covering this because I don't know how many years we're going to go before it's illegal for me to talk about this in church. You know, y'all going to have to take up a donation, get the pastor out of jail, because I'm a, I'm a fan of not giving in and not, not saying that I won't preach what's in God's Word. But, but I don't know how long it's going to go. It's, it's already in some countries they're pushing, you know, even making a biblical stand about this as being hate speech and things like that. And we're closer, we're closer and closer. So I think it's important for you to know what's in God's Word. 
the reality is when we start telling people, well, hey, um, that's not convenient for you right now. And people say, well, well, yeah, but here's the deal then. There are, there are ladies that are left trying to raise a child because the man's of his life. Right, we need to preach about men too. We need to preach about daddies. We need to preach about even if, even if you end up not marrying because then you need to be a father. We need to preach about that if, that if whatever has happened and, and you're in there, you need to do what God would do. You need to do the right things. We don't need to just excuse one because there's a problem with the other. God has plenty to say about what all of us are supposed to be doing. As fathers, as mothers, as children, as Bible even goes so far in talking about what nephews ought to do. In the Old Testament, it talks about, says that, that if there's a lady who's a widow and she's got a nephew... Says nephew is supposed to step up and take care of her. Bible got a lot to say about how we're supposed to interact within families and how we're supposed to do. That's a challenge, right? Because if if we're not following Christ, then we're going to have a hard time then adhering to the biblical standards because they will challenge you. They will push you to to be sacrificial in your love for one another because that's what Jesus was. But the world has convinced people that you can serve yourself first and foremost. Look out for number one. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. If you don't look out for yourself, nobody else is. Well, that's not true. Because the Bible says that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Right. we got to quit saying some of that stuff. Yeah. We're not meaning it that way. But I'm telling you, the longer you say stuff, and yet you forget to remind, what you should do is when you go to about say something like that, hey, you know what, if you don't look out for number one, want nobody, you need to stop yourself and go, I'm sorry, God. I am sorry as if I'm acting like you are not in my life, as if you are not looking out for me, as if you are not looking at, to, to, to create that plan that we'll get to in Jeremiah 29 11 here in just half a minute. Most of us have heard that, that verse. By the way, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it, it actually is pretty clear. It makes a statement. It says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. This is, this is why when you read, even in the New Testament, when, uh, when they describe some of the folks, there's a statement made. I love it. I've preached this message before, but there's a statement made. It says, those that have turned the world upside down have come here too. You know why Christianity turns the world upside down? Because he says that if you want to be first, you need to be last. You need to be everybody's servant. Right? He says that, that, that you, 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 need to, you need to do the things that seem the opposite. In order to live, you need to die. None of that makes sense to us outside of the spiritual. It's turning the world upside down. Jesus, the, the Son of God... Creator of all things comes not to be served, but to serve. Could have come born into a royal family. Instead, he comes into a family and basically makes it a royal family. I mean, just all this stuff that, that, that you look and go, God could have been this, God could have done that, God could have over here, God could have this, God could have that, and he does stuff upside down. Because what we by nature would do is oftentimes, and you know, because your reflexive response to things, you had to, what do you have to do? You, you bite your tongue. Why? Because your tongue wanted to reflexively do something that then you, that wasn't godly. 
right? People, I don't know why I said that. I do. <laughs> right? Old preacher that comes and uh, used to do revivals for my daddy, he used to say, if it ain't in the well, it won't come up in the bucket. <laughs> you know? I don't know why I said that, because it's in your well. <laughs> You need to go back about 25 years and sing that song, Spring Up, Oh Well. <laughs> you got to clean the well out. See, most of us today, we hadn't been around wells unless it was our grandparents or great-grandparents, and you had to clean the well out every now and then. Oh, dead possum get off up in there and stuff. You'd be pulling stuff out. That's supposed to be good, clear water. <laughs> like, man, this water is terrible. This stuff stinks. you got to clean the well out. Jeremiah 29 and 11, it's the passage that you're probably really familiar with when it comes to sanctity of life. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now look, there's a, there are people, they may, be, they may be playing high school ball or Whatever, and they got a coach that says, "Man, I, boy, I tell you what, I, I've got a plan. I'm talking to a coach, you know, at some colleges and all that. I got a plan. I think there's a plan for you and all that stuff. And that's pretty cool, right? That'd be pretty awesome. It'd be pretty neat, you know, if you were a Alabama football player this year. Sorry for all the rest of y'all, um, but but if you were, that's my only reference. I told you I don't talk a lot of football, here. but but." That'd be, that'd be pretty, I mean, you look around and like, all these guys, they know and they finish up that last game. They are fixing to be multi, multi-millionaires. I don't even know what that would feel like. I would like to know. <laughs> I would really like to know what that would feel like, you know? I, I'd be like, yeah! But, but can you imagine you're fixing to know that your entire family, if you do this right, for the, all the generations to come, will never have to worry about finances ever again. Now, how much that's going to be, because you could turn around and get in and be a year in and be a bust. You could get in, have a terrible, tragic accident, and not be able to play. Duke basketball, some of us are Duke basketball fans. Remember Jay Williams. Jay, Jay was, went to Chicago Bulls. Man, he was going to be great. He had one of the quickest first steps that, that you'd ever see on a, on a point guard. Man, I mean, he was, bought him a motorcycle. Was out on it, went to take off. That thing got away from him. I think hit a telephone pole, all kind of stuff. Broke his leg up, something terrible. Never played again. That was after, right after his rookie year. That was it. It was over. Whole career was over. So see, you can have a plan. You can have a design on what you think is going to happen in life, and it seemed pretty cool. When the God of the universe says, I know the plan I have for you, and it's not to do bad to you, but instead it's to give you a, a hope, a future, an end. Even one translation says an expected end. And then you read the rest of the book and it tells you that God never fails. It tells you that God has never, He's not slack concerning His promises is what one passage says. The God of the universe says I have a plan for you. Understand this. God has a plan for every person who was ever conceived. Amen. I didn't say who was ever born. God has a plan for every person who was ever conceived. Now, does God know 
that someone will abort some preborn child? Absolutely. He does. But God allowing us the free will to make choices and Him having foreknowledge of our choices does not mean that He still did not have a plan that He would have used that person to accomplish in this world. God has a plan for every child that's born with Down syndrome. God has a plan for every child that's born missing limbs or blind or deaf or mentally challenged. Whatever it is that you see the world saying, here's a reason why you should take a preborn life, I am telling you that God did not put a qualifier into Jeremiah 20, 11, 29 and 11. He didn't say, for I know the plans I have for those who are in great physical shape. When they're born. He didn't say, for I know the plans I have for those who are going to be the smartest of all. He didn't say, I know the plans that I have for those who will not have some debilitating disease at some point in their life. Or that won't be born with something that makes them sound. He didn't say any of that. He says, I know the plans I have for you. As hard as it can be for us to see sometimes... It may be, because people look and go, I don't understand. If, if a child is born and they never really seem to have any real awareness or anything like that, what plan did God have for that? I'll tell you something. I've seen people and know some families, and, says, and you know what? It is amazing to see even what God has done in their lives as He has shaped them to be more like Him. See, sometimes... God's plan even for our lives, knowing what, you know, he's got this foreknowledge of knowing what our lives will be like. God may take and use you to shape someone else's life. And you may not even realize it. Some of you have been shaping people's lives because you get on their nerves so bad. <laughs> See, I just, well, I was so smooth with that one, wasn't I? I just brought you that one so nice and easy. You know, God's known you that way, and He wants to change you. But you know what? He is using part of what how you are. He's He's giving them patience. You know, He's causing them to uh, to just. I, I can tell you, some of you guys. I mean, different ones of you. I know you're in leadership roles in your companies, or else you own the company, or whatever else. And man, you know, hopefully you can look back probably five years, ten years ago. Boy, I can remember back. That point, if this thing that happened this week or this thing that happened last month happened, I would have had a much tougher reaction. Jesus really would have been having to Jesus take the wheel kind of moment. But now, God's worked patience in you, and He's He's worked a little more where you're you're trying to be more Christ-like, and you're the enemy of our souls. Satan does not want people to be born. I truly believe this. The Bible says that we were created in God's image. And by the way, again, he didn't say all of those who have all their fingers and toes and no challenges, none of those things. He didn't say those folks were created in God's image. As a whole, he said we're created in, in God's image. Every time that Satan sees a person, he recognizes the fingerprints of the image of God. When we surrender our lives to Christ and we become more and more fashioned in our lifestyle to be like Christ, the more that it frustrates Him. Because He once was there right beside God. We see that. And He was, he was the most beautiful of all the angels. He, he was like a, a walking 
a walking jukebox pretty much of, of music and all this. And so he was there, but I'm going to rebel. I'm going to take over. I'm going to be like God, which is what he convinced Eve and then Adam. Oh, he, you're going to be like him. He's holding back from you because really that all he was saying was what he had decided about himself and his heart. Oh, I, I should be able to be like God instead of loving and appreciating who God was. He just couldn't do that. But every time that he sees you and recognizes that, that you are becoming more and more like Christ, it is more and more frustrating because he rebelled and his, his eternity is established, and yet you are becoming more and more like Christ that he wanted to take over from. We heard Krista Truce preach a, uh, a revival when we were in Heap. was one of the first people that I ever heard speak about this in this way. And said so the fact that you are created in God's image, he does not want. I think Satan revels in the idea of abortion because it is destroying a being that was created in the image of God. But we're given the choice, right? We're given the choice to decide whether or not a preborn child should receive life outside of the womb, we think, right? People are making that choice. But that child already had life. They're already alive. It's just whether or not they're going to get to have life in this world. And that is a gift that belongs to them given from God, not from us. I remember uh, one, of the, uh, one of the most um, frustrating gift situations that I ever had. I was a kid, and there was a, uh, some people at, at my birthday party, and my parents you know, didn't have a, a whole lot of money to be doing anything. But I had, I had wanted this. Uh, it wasn't, I don't even know that it was a name. You know, it wasn't like a Star Wars thing or whatever, but it was this, it was this big plastic space thing that that it would open up and it had like different levels inside it and you put little figurines and play and all that and I was I didn't think I would get anything like that because they they just didn't have that kind of money spent I don't know how they found it how they got it but and and I'm probably like eight nine you know maybe ten years old something like that and and I got this thing and there was an older guy at my birthday party you know probably about three four years older than me and and you have to put all the stickers on it and all this stuff and and i'll never forget parents don't ever do this to your kids i'm just gonna tell you this right now because i'm 46 now and i'm telling y'all about it here today right <laughs> not that i haven't forgiven all right but i still remember it right and i remember my parents being like oh let him help you put those stickers on he put all those stickers on the thing and i resented it I wanted, that was my toy. I wanted to put them stickers on. You know, I want to do all that stuff. That, that was my thing to do. It was my gift. You don't, you don't get to decide about my gift. I want you to understand something. That preborn child, God has given them the gift of life. You don't get to decide. It's their life. Ladies, I, I, I start to say I love y'all, but that would have sounded weird. That would have, you know, I love all y'all, you know. That, what God's truth speaks about this has nothing to do with 
the, the terrible things that have existed in our world and our country where, you know, hey, you can't even vote, you know, all that kind of stuff. Not only, you know, we've, we've had those problems ethnically, we've had those problems not allowing, you know, women's suffrage and, and voting, things like that. It's not, this one's not about any of that. Those things were terrible. They shouldn't have been that way. This one's not that way. This isn't about... Well, it's it's my body and all this stuff, and and I'm not. I and let me tell you this: as 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 people in the faith community, don't say stupid stuff to people about this. Don't say, "Well, you shouldn't have gotten pregnant." Then we shouldn't look. Everybody didn't. It's a very small percentage, but there is rape and there is incest and all that. But don't don't say stupid stuff like, "Well, you shouldn't have been there. You should have done this. You should have, you know, you should have been closed for business. You should have whatever." Hey, look, people, you made some mistakes. You just didn't get caught. I've told you guys the story. You know, the shortest version of that Michelle and I got pregnant junior year in high school. And I say we got pregnant because it wasn't she got her pregnant or I got her pregnant. It was a we thing. It takes two to make a thing go right. Y'all know what I'm saying. It didn't happen by accident. People say, well, nobody intended, you know, for you're right. I mean, that part you can say was an accident, but it wasn't. We weren't like walking down the street and all of a sudden she's like, you know, I think I'm pregnant. I mean, I don't hide, I don't make any, you know, people go, oh, man, why are you so open about this? Because if I can prevent one high school kid from making the same mistakes that we did, then I hope that I can. Yeah. My dad had a heart attack physically when we told him. My dad's a pastor. We told him he, he had a heart attack. Had a minor heart attack. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. Yeah, I'm a high school dropout. Yep. Got my GED after, after my junior year. Then went to college. Got my bachelor's degree. Did all that stuff later. Yep. Been married for this year. Be 29 years. Same woman. Thrilled, lover. Now, I was bullheaded. I was going to marry her whether I didn't love her or not. I was going to marry her because that's what I was supposed to do. Now, I don't encourage people, you know, don't, don't make two mistakes. But We had people tell us, y'all should, y'all should have an abortion. I had, a, I had already been promised a full-ride uh, music scholarship to JSU at a minimum. I played in piano competitions at Alabama and, and other places, and, and people were like, man, this is terrible. You're throwing this all away. You're, you're not, you know, and I still, have, I still have college, you know, debt that I pay off every month, you know. It's down to about $3,000, I think, now. But, you know, yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, you should do this. You should make this. And people told her, hey, y'all could just end this, and you could, y'all could go, y'all could move on. Y'all could finish high school and be like, nothing ever happened. It's his breath in her lungs. But it's his breath in her lungs. She'll pour out that praise. Right? Because life matters. It's God's gift to her, not to me, not to her mom. She's a gift to us, just like Caleb's a gift to us. But life was God's gift to them, not to me. I 
I understand that a lot of people will ask questions like, don't you feel it's a different situation if the life of the mother is at risk? No. He said, well, that's easy for you because you're, you're the dad and you won't ever be at risk. You're right. Absolutely, you're right. Most parents in here, I could ask you right now, if something was about to happen to your child and it was going to take their life and you could take their place, would you? I can tell you without hesitation. Even if I don't agree with them, I could tell you that right now, especially maybe if I don't agree with them and if I'm worried about them, yeah, I'd take their place right now. Now, it's easy to say because in the moment I'm not having to do it, right? But, but I know within my heart it's, you know, I was there when both our kids were born. It was the most amazing thing that ever happened when both of them. There's some terrible, horrible, you know, other stuff that was going on too about that same time. But, you know, you're going, wow, that's a person coming out. That's, that's crazy right there. But it's the most amazing thing. Like, I made that. <laughs> you know, I was part of that deal. They're alive, you know. It's alive. You know, it was awesome. Changes you done. I mean, you just all of a sudden stuff that you would have would have been about you. You're just like, mm, you know. Things I look back on and see that my parents did. You know, when the church would go to the old Del Taco at the bottom of the hill there, you know, bottom after church, and they'd send me ahead, and you know, we'll come back and pick you up later, because they didn't have the money for all those goods, but they'd send me with five dollars, so I could go. There's just stuff you'll do. There's stuff that you'll do. So no, I don't, I don't feel like that we say, well, you know what, you should abort that child in order to save your life, any more than if we were standing right here and you or I had an opportunity to take our child's place and allow them to live. You go, you know what, no, I think I, think I should go ahead and let them die so I can keep going. i got some stuff I want to do in my career. You wouldn't do that, right? Now I ask, what about rape? Horrendous. Terrible. Cannot even imagine the mental impact on, on someone to have that happen. But the life of that child still intrinsically has value and God still gives the gift of life to that child. Stephenson Holland, who, you know, came here and spoke and all that and then his mom passing, you know, here recently and his whole story. You know, she was four or five people. She was mentally challenged, raped by four or five people and... and but here he is praising God, bringing music and a message and encouragement to people out because his life had value. God has a plan. In fact, the entire message of God found in Christ could be described like this. Jesus loves you that he died for you so that regardless of what your life has been to this point, he could give you his life. He isn't looking and going, well, how did you get started? Hey, is your dad around? Hey, is your mom around? Hey, were you abused? Were all the terrible things that can happen? He doesn't look and say, well, hey, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you if. 
Now he says, in fact, regardless of all that has happened, no matter how good, no matter how bad, I'm going to give you my life. And I have set my affection on you. And I love you. And I want you to be in my family. I want you to be my child. So today I want to share in closing, I'm going to get Jason to go and come and uh, the other rest of our musicians to come. Today I want to share an unusual scripture to end for Sanctity of Life Sunday. And it's actually out of Joshua chapter 24. It's not an, an unfamiliar passage. It's just probably not one that you hear talked about on Sunday of Life Sunday very often. Joshua 24, 24, verses 14 and 15 says this, Therefore, fear the Lord and worship Him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship Yahweh. But if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship. The gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River are the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. As for me and my family, we will worship Yahweh. When it comes to this discussion about life and God giving life and and how should we stand for life and all these things. Now, understand this. I don't really have enough time. To, it'd take two messages to, to heal this. The faith community has to do a far better job than what it has been doing on standing behind mothers and fathers who then see that child come into this world. The faith community needs to get behind and not just, hey, all right, now we got it to the you, you let them get born stage. No, we got to help we got to help them get through early years. we got to help them learn parenting skills. we got to help them if they're living here and they don't have grandparents, things like that. We need to be babysitting some kids and, and doing some stuff to allow them some, some time and, and have a break on occasion. We have got to see them through all of life, not just, hey, all right, they got born, we're good. No. For those that don't have a father, don't have a mother. We need to step in as a church and, and, and collectively be a part of that because we're a family. We're a body. But we've got to put away the gods of self and career and personal gratification and selfish. Not saying you shouldn't have a career, not saying you shouldn't take care of yourself. But Jesus showed us an example of Sacrifice. Putting the entire creation, mankind, ahead of himself and his suffering and all of that. So the question, the, the, the choice you got to make today in regards to all of this, I've, I've shared scripture with you. We've laughed a little bit. We've thought pretty hard about a couple of things. It's just got to make a choice. When it comes to life, God gave it. God gives it to each individual, no matter their physical condition, no matter anything else, no matter how it got started, doesn't matter. God gave them that gift. When it comes to what we believe about that, will we serve God or will we serve ourselves? Life, it's not a choice. Living, now that's a daily decision. 
And God wants to give you a means of living and living more abundantly. I'm actually, I'm going to ask Stephen to pray while we're getting ready. And, uh, and I'm going to throw a little bit of a curve. Uh, Wendy, I want to go back to that such an awesome God instead of what I had in there. I just, I just feel led on that. And uh, I want to ask Stephen to pray. And, and then we're going to talk about this awesome God again.